All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're at day two of our workshop. My name is Chris Musel. I'm one of the owners of Cold Break. And if you were with us yesterday, um, we talked about our intro to draft systems and their components. We went through each and every part um, in detail. So day two uh, is what we're going to build off today. Today, we're all, it's all about ensuring a quality draft pour, which is going to involve balancing systems. We're going to talk about long draw, uh, direct draw and temporary draft systems and how to get the, the best pour out of all of these. And then as a reminder, part three of our workshop uh, will go live tomorrow at one with Myron Tan. He's on his way up right now from Virginia up to Michigan here, and we will go live in the studio and uh, we'll just it'll just be um, a handful of us talking about mobile bars and how he builds his systems. So let's dive into it today. A little bit of an overview. We'll talk about the three systems that I just mentioned. We will get into carbonation and how to balance a system. And then we'll talk about how jockey boxes and jumper boxes are unbalanced. And then for those of you that do a lot of remote pouring, we'll get into some of the accessories that we like to use uh, while we're out in the field. And then we'll wrap it up with cleaning and storage, uh, which is another very important part of all of this. And then we'll follow it up with a Q&A at the end. Um, Partway through here, I'll drop a link in the chat. If you want to join me face-to-face, -face, um, if you're in front of a camera, you can ask your question live. Otherwise, you can ask your question in the chat. If you can put a cue in front of it, that allows me to filter it out, and I can show it up on screen a little easier as well. Um, so without further ado, let's dive into the systems here. Um, up top, we have a long draw draft system. On the bottom right here, we've got a short draw draft system, which is going to be typically like a kegerator. And then you've got your temporary draft system, which is going to be more of a, which is going to be a jockey box. The long draw draft system, you usually find in a, like a bar or brewery. <clears throat> Yesterday, when we talked about tubing, you'll remember that from the keg here up to the barrier tubing, which is, uh, which is called a trunk line. Uh, we call this jumper here, it's just it's called a jumper line. Then we get into the trunk line, which is typically barrier tubing. And then depending on the resistance in this trunk line, sometimes we have to choke it down and increase the resistance, and that's called a choker line. Choker lines are typically made of vinyl tubing, but we, <clears throat> excuse me, if we don't, we don't like vinyl tubing here inside the, inside of a, a tower like this, because it, like vinyl tubing needs to be replaced more often than barrier tubing. So sometimes it's hard to get at that. So if we can go barrier tubing right to the faucets, that's that's the ideal. <clears throat> so uh, some terminology that we need to know prior to getting into all of this is when we balance a system, there are three main components that we're looking at. The first one is going to be the beer temperature. Second one is resistance of the system, and then three is the applied pressure. Temperature, when we discuss that, what we're really talking about is the beer temperature, not necessarily the, the kegerator temperature or the uh, walk-in cooler temperature. Because if you're bringing a, like if a keg has just been delivered and it's been sitting in ambient temperature for a few, a few hours, it can raise the temperature. Once it gets put into the cooler, it can take a lot longer to cool down. So a, a keg that's a keg that's gone up five degrees in ambient temperature 
might take four or five hours to get there. When you put it back into a cooler to, to get rid of that five degrees, to go from 40 to 35, it can sometimes take 18 to 20 hours for that to, to get back to a, a temperature that we want it. So when we talk about temperature, what we're really talking about is the beer temperature. And then uh, we, use the, we use this temperature that to get the correct applied pressure to get the, um, for the volumes of CO2 that's in the beer. And we'll, we'll talk about that here. I'll explain that more in detail shortly. The other part is the resistance in the system. So static resistance is the effect of gravity. So if you're, uh, if we go back to the, you know, if we go back to the long draw system here, this like this walk-in cooler might be in a basement somewhere and then it might be a floor above it. So this gravity here has an effect on and on, on our resistance. And it's usually half a pound of PSI for every foot that goes up. Dynamic resistance, that's caused by the beer line and the hardware. So depending on the size of the tubing and the amount of hardware that's in your system, that's called dynamic resistance. And we, we get that calculation from the, from the ID of the tubing. That's the, that's the main source. <coughs> And then again, the applied pressure is the PSI that's applied to the keg, which is displayed on the regulator. So all of that combined, when the applied pressure is equal to the system resistance, it's called a balanced system. And that balanced system pours clean flowing beer at one gallon per minute or two ounces per second. And all of this is a good pour, and it, what it does is it also maintains the carbonation that the brewer set at the brewery. So when we apply this to the different systems, going back to our three types of tubing, in a direct draw system like a kegerator, or in this case over here, this would be a walk-in cooler, where like a bar has sunk shanks into the side of the cooler. So this is what you would see from the, from the back of the bar. And then on the other side of this wall here is their walk-in cooler. And they can, you can hook your beer line directly from the back of the shank here to the top of the keg. Can't really see it here without this, this cutaway, but this beer line would go directly from the keg to the back of the shank. And this is called a direct draw system. In a direct draw system, all we're dealing with are choker lines. So the jumper lines and the trunk lines are not involved in a direct draw system, so we just use choker lines. These choker lines vary in length depending on the typically the diameter and how far this is. So for the an example, most Beer, we use 2.6 volumes of CO2 as an average, but 2.5 would be considered a standard carbonation level for a beer. 2.7 would be considered a high carbonation for a beer. So for this example, we'll, we like to use 2.6. So if your beer comes at 2.6 volumes of CO2, and we know that our kegerator is set at 38 degrees, and the beer has been sitting in there for a few days, and so we know that the beer is at 38 degrees also, this tells us that our CO2 applied pressure needs to be 12.4 PSI. So 
the 12.4 PSI that's applied to this keg that's sitting at 2.6 volumes of CO2, we know that we need to get rid of this 12.4 PSI. So going back to our the definitions of a balanced system, when the applied pressure here to the keg equals the system resistance here, we get a balanced system and we get the one gallon per minute pour rate. So to balance this system and to get the, the resistance that we need, if we go back, we know that vinyl tubing, that's got a 3 ID, creates three PSI of resistance per foot. Gravity also comes into play here. So the, let's say this is two feet high off the keg. We know at half of a PSI per foot up, we know that this reduces it by one PSI. So two feet minus one PSI equals 12 point, or excuse me, 11.4 PSI of resistance that we need to, to gain from our tubing. So we're gonna use 3 final tubing divided by the 11.4 PSI equals 3.8. So we know that this length of tubing here needs to be 3.8 feet. Now, for example, that's a 3 ID line. If we were to go quarter inch line, which is a little bit wider, that increases our length to 13.4. So the wider we go, um, the less resistance that it's caused by. So um, another example down here with a keyser, this would be a faucet that's pretty pretty level with the keg. I know that when you when you measure the the gravity from a keg, um, it's probably better to go from the middle of the keg. Back in the day, they used to do it from the bottom. Um, I think since they now they you can do it from the middle of the keg because when a, when a keg is dispensed, right, the the liquid starts at the top and as it's dispensed, the the gas pushes down on it and then it you know the beer goes all the way down to the bottom. So it does change as how full the keg is. So in this example, we're just saying there is no there is no gravity resistance. It's a little bit colder, cooler. So we're now with the beers at 33 degrees. It's a little bit less carbonated, so we're going 2.4 volumes of CO2 at 33 degrees. That tells us that we need 7.9 PSI of applied pressure to keep this at 12.4 PSI. And here with the 316 tubing, uh, we only need 2.6 feet. So that's how you would balance a kegerator or a direct draw system. And so this chart kind of comes into play um, for a lot of the system, um, for, for all the systems that we use here. Um, it's so the long draw systems are a little bit a little bit more complicated. Uh, when we get into cooling, direct draw systems are easiest because basically you're just you're cooling the entire area, whether it's a refrigerator, a freezer that's been modified to do a go a go above freezing, so a, a keyser or a walk-in cooler. Here, um, obviously, we can't build a walk-in cooler that. You know that can travel the distance that, that we need to with the line. So with with long draw draft systems, they usually like the tubing usually comes in in bundles here. And so this was this would be an example of a glycol chilled beer line. So as the beer line enters the trunk line, and as it leaves the cooler, 
the barrier tubing is surrounded. So the blue ones here will have glycol that runs through it and it'll, it, it's, um, food grade, um, I mean, food grade glycol, right? It's an extremely cold liquid. And so it will go one way and then the red line is the return line. So it'll just, it'll cycle that glycol through the system the entire time and it keeps your beer lines, uh, cold. Um, the other the other part of a long draw system that you might not see in a in a direct draw is FOBS, which is foam on beer. So just above the the jumper lines, the jumper lines would go into this little tiny uh, glass case that has a float in it. And so as long as there's beer being pushed through it, the the float stay. I think if the float stays up, it's been a while since I've seen one or, or cleaned one. And then as the keg empties. What happens is that that float in there falls to the falls and it cuts off the the beer. And so, if you've ever poured a beer where the keg's empty, it, it, you'll notice that like as it gets through, the air will shoot through it and it will just it will spray beer everywhere. With a foam on beer, with the fobs, that doesn't happen because the float falls and basically the beer just stops flowing. And so, it helps with the long draw draft systems when you know you're not. It's stopping the flow, and that way you're not emptying the entire line. So if you didn't have a fob and the keg emptied, like you wouldn't know that it emptied until the beer traveled all the way here and all the way to the to the, your tap, and then your beer sprays out. And so now you've got an empt, a completely empty line. So with a fob, what that does is it cuts off the beer right at the keg, and so the beer line stays completely full of beer. And then when you swap the keg out, above that fob is a little... Um, has like a drain valve on it and you can you can purge it and so when you go back to your tap handle and open it up you might get just like a little bit of a blip and so you're saving all the beer that's in here um so these are considered balanced systems as well and there's two ways that they can balance their systems one of them is by if they you know giving an example of you know if we have 20 psi of resistance in here we can overcome that resistance by applying pressure to the keg, and then once the beer leaves the keg, we can uh, we can put it into what's called a beer pump, and that pump will actually push the beer, um, and then it uses either compressed gas or it uses um, the CO2 that you're using here as well to to move. It doesn't it doesn't ever enter the line, but it uses it to move the beer. So it's either using pumps. Or what we can do is use mixed gas. And so yesterday we learned a little bit about um, gas mixtures. And so if you're using CO2 and nitrogen, it can blend the system. And when that pushes down on the keg, um, we can maintain the carbonation level with a, a mixture of CO2 and nitrogen. So you don't need to know this, uh, but this just so you're aware how we how we maintain that carbonation level here again we're at 20 psi let's say our walk-in here is at and the beer is at 39 degrees we want 2.5 volumes of co2 and if at 39 degrees and 2.5 volumes of co2 we're going to get this number right here which is 11.9 which we will look at here right so 39 degrees, 2.5 levels of volumes of CO2 gives us an applied pressure to the keg. So we want our keg at 11.9 PSI. 
the this is the applied pressure to the keg that we want. This maintains the volume of CO2 that we need, but our system requires 20 PSI because of the barrier tubing and the choker line and the beer jumpers and all the hardware that's in here. Our system requires 20 PSI to get the flow rate that we want. So here we add the 20 PSI. The 14.7 is the atmospheric pressure. That equals these two numbers here, which gives us a 0.767 which means that in this system, needing 20 PSI at 39 degrees and keeping our beer at 2.5 volumes of CO2, we need to set our gas mixer to 77% CO2 and then 23% nitrogen. Jockey boxes, on the other hand, are considered unbalanced systems. So, here we have our keg, and then we have our jumper line going from the keg to the jockey box. Inside the jockey box, this would be considered your trunk line, or this would replace the barrier tubing in the long draw draft system. So essentially, jockey boxes are a long draw draft system that's been coiled inside. So this part right here would be the exact same part as this line here, right? So we've taken this line and we've coiled it into right here. So rather than use pumping glycol or, oh, I guess, let me back up a second here. One of the things I did forget is um, even if you're not using, so this would be an example of using glycol here, right? And so if this is a little bit shorter, sometimes if it's like less than 25 feet, you don't really need glycol if it's that short. And so if it's just going here to a, a, you know, a tower here, maybe it's not going up a floor, but you can use air, right? And so sometimes what they'll do is they'll put um, a force, a fan that forces air through this, this barrier tubing from your walk-in cooler. And so you can either have a air cooled or you can have a glycol cooled. Apologies for skipping that. So going back to our jockey boxes, um, so here what we're doing is rather than using glycol or air, we're filling this cooler full of ice. And so as the beer goes through there, it's it's maintain it's trying to maintain the temperature. Or if it's you know you've been out in the field for a couple hours, you know, and it's raised a couple degrees, it's bringing the beer back down a couple degrees inside here. So the downside of this is because it's an unbalanced system and we're only using it for temporary situations, we don't necessarily need to balance it, right? And so all we can do is crank the PSI to the keg. So 50-foot coil jockey boxes will typically run at 25 to 30 PSI. So if we go back to that chart, we know that that's way too much pressure to be putting on a keg. And what's going to happen is the 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 beer inside of that keg is eventually going to absorb that and it will start to overcarbonate. So, but it's a temporary system. So as long as we're only doing it, you know, for a few hours or for the afternoon, um, doesn't really matter. So it will change the carbonation eventually. The bars and breweries that are, are pouring at beer festivals, once they've tapped a, a, a keg of beer with a jockey box, they'll, you know, let's say they only poured half of it. They're never going to bring it back to the brewery and tap it in. And, and put it through their system because they know that the volume of CO2 in that beer has changed a little bit. And so they're never going to retap it. Um, so these are perfect for temporary setups. And when you're purchasing jockey boxes, one of 
you know, I talked a little bit about it yesterday, but one of the biggest components of making sure that you're, you're getting a good pour and you're, and you're honoring the person that made that beer and presenting it in a way that they, they would in their brewery is by, by not going cheap on parts, right? So parts are either made from stainless steel or they're going to be made from chrome plated black, chrome plated brass and chrome plated brass parts will wear out. Well, they are cheaper. They will change the flavor of whatever you're pouring. And so, uh, whenever you're buying something, really dig deep into like what these shanks are made out of, what your faucets are made out of, because a lot of times the cheaper jockey boxes on the market will just say, well, yeah, it's a jockey box with stainless steel coils. Well, that tip, if they're just mentioning the stainless steel coils, typically that means the coils inside are stainless, but then they're, you're, they're attaching tubing in here, which changes the ID of the beer and causes turbulation um, and it causes foaming issues. And then what they're doing is they're putting cheap shanks in here because that's that's cheap, right? And so they can lower the price. And it affects the flavor of your beer. So when you're buying stuff, don't go cheap on parts. Um, again, going back to the design part too, these, this would be a direct coil to shank assembly. So once the beer enters this system here, this is a 5 16th coil. Once it enters this, it doesn't change the, the ID of the beer in here doesn't change all the way until it hits the faucet, which is going to go a little bit skinnier. So it's going to choke it down at the faucet here. But another, um, this is another reason why like design is super important in a, in a temporary draft system. Um, all right. We can skip that for now. The... Uh, relatively new on the market, we we got a lot of questions about how, like how one would go about building a an unrefrigerated tap trailer, and so we took our jockey boxes and what we did. Actually, let me go back. Um, so what we did is jumper boxes are essentially jockey boxes. But instead of the front of the jockey boxes actually having a, a beer faucet on it, we put two rear shanks or coupling shanks in it so that it enters and exits with a coupling shank. And so that allows you to attach your beer faucets or attaches, you can attach a beer tower or a, you know, you can sink your, or you can sink your shanks into some sort of wall or the side of your trailer. And then you can connect your jockey box or that's now a jumper box to your system, right? So this would be like the inside of an unrefrigerated trailer, right? So you're keeping your kegs on ice. It's feeding your, your trunk line here and it's cooling down your beer. And then as it exits, you're on the other side of with your, your beer faucets. So one thing to mention here, beer is very susceptible to temperature changes. And so since this part right here is not refrigerated, it is recommended that you insulate that as much as you can and keep these as short as possible. The longer this is, the more the the more risky it is for creating foam because if there's any temperature variation between the, the beer coming out of here and here, um, you're just, it's just going to turn to instant foam. So this needs to be kept cold. And when you first hook up a system like this, it may it may be foamy right away. But if you pour some beer out of it, 
as that beer enters and travels through here and cools these this line down and it cools your faucet down, it will, you know, it will start to pour properly. Um, because they're temporary, these are unbalanced systems again. And I mean to do that. All right, let's move on. Showed you that. All right, so out in the field, um, some of the accessories that we really like, the um, top of a, this lid mat is for jockey boxes and it keeps your the top of the jockey box nice and clean if you're pouring remotely. A lot of times people don't like to see jockey boxes, so we have these really nice uh, jockey box covers available. Drip trays that jockey boxes fit on, so your jockey box will fit right on this and it creates a nice little drip tray for you. We always have uh, a beer pitcher or a bucket available so you can purge your coils, you can clean your coils, um, just allows you to, to open up your taps and not creating a mess. We've got coolers, so in case you need to keep your, if you need to keep your kegs on ice, we've got coolers available. Um, if you're not using coolers like this, I would recommend using, uh, like Lowe's and Home Depot have these like really large buckets that you can use. Um, that's an easy way to, to do it as well. And I think I mentioned yesterday, in case you weren't here, like, you know, you really only need to, to ice the bottom of the keg because as beer empties, it's being pushed from the top down. And so, um, icing the bottom of the keg is is more important than icing the top of the keg. We always carry extra beer washers. You learned yesterday that a connection, like all of the connections in a beer system are metal on metal. And so anytime you have a connection and there are many in all of these systems, you need some sort of beer washer. So um, we always carry beer washers because they get lost when you're taking apart the system constantly. And then the other thing we like is on regulators, the Taprite regulators also you can buy a cage separately. If anybody's ever tipped over a CO2 tank, knows that those the gauges on here, they will be the first to break or bend. Um, and then, so we like having cages on all of our regulators. Oh, that was the wrong button. Apologies. Uh, any questions along the way? Um, I did drop a link here in the chat if anybody wants to hop on and, and talk face-to-face. -face, that is the link that you would use. All it does is ask for your name. And Courtney's got a question here. Uh, in the situation of having an unrefrigerated trailer and using a trash can with ice or a sleeve, how does one get an, accu how does one get an accurate temperature of the beer to figure out PSI and CO2 volume? So I'm assuming that you're unrefrigerated trailer is using either a jumper box or you're using some sort of temporary draft system. And I would consider that temporary. And so you probably would just use an, un you would just be unbalanced. And so you would crank away on your PSI to overcome the resistance. So 50 foot coils on a jockey box require 25 to 30 PSI, depending on that temperature. We usually tell people to start at 25 and see what your pour is. And if you're not getting a good pour, um, you need to go up on your PSI. It's it's counterintuitive because a lot of people think, well, I'm getting foam. I need to turn down the PSI. Well, it's, it's a lot of times it's the opposite of that. And so you, if you start slowly increasing your, your PSI in there, a lot of times it will fix the issue. Um, 
if you that's with straight CO2. Now, if you wanted to use and can find beer gas, which is a mix of nitrogen and uh, CO2, we learned in the day one that while you can't get a large volume of a mixed gas inside of like a five or 10 pound tank because of the way that nitrogen and CO2 interact with each other, you can buy pre-designed gas mix. So a 50-foot coil with a 6-foot jumper, if you had a 60-40 mix, you could um, you could set your PSI at 25, and then your, your keg's going to stay at 2.5 volumes of CO2. Excuse me. Hope that ain't. Sorry. Hope that answered your question, Courtney. All right. All right. So we are now down to cleaning. Um, cleaning in itself can be kind of a huge topic, and I'm gonna I'm gonna briefly go over it here of, of how bars and breweries clean their system and how that kind of relates to jockey boxes and jumper boxes as well. But um, if you uh, one of the uh, if you go to our website, we do have some some good videos that we made years ago um, on how to clean jockey boxes, right? And this is a, a good 10, 15 minute video on this. It goes step by step on how to clean a, how to clean a jockey box, but I'll, I'll briefly go over it today here. But if you want a thorough in-depth version of, of how to clean your system, this is, this is the perfect spot to start. All right. So when you're, when you're looking at the, this would be an example of the long draw system again, right? And so, here, what we've done is we pulled off all of the faucets in the beer tower, and we're using the beer faucet number one here to go in, right? And so what this is doing is it's pulling either water or caustic, depending on what we're, depending on the step here. So we'll use water first to flush the system, right? So it's leaving, this is either a bucket or a, this looks like a sink. So we're pulling water, going into a pump, and we're going into we're going the opposite direction of the way that the beer flows. So it, we're going into the beer faucet and it's going back through the system. And then what they've done here is they've uncoupled the kegs, right? So this is one through six. They've connected, they've uncoupled kegs one and two here and they've connected them together. So one that's going through line one, it's connecting to line two. So then line two is going back through the system, back through your trunk line, and it's coming out of number two here. So then they've connected lines two to three. So it's coming out of two, then it's going back into three, and it's going back through your your trunk line here, and the same thing. Now we've connected lines three and four, and so it just basically it's just going back and forth until it gets all the way to the very end of six, and then it comes out of six, and here we've got our waste. And so when you're cleaning a long draw draft system, typically the steps are. You first flush it with water, so you get all everything out of the all the beer out of the system. Then you use the same. You use a caustic, so you use a water and base mixture, which you can use. This is BLC Penetrate, which is beer line cleaner, which turns it into a base. 
So caustic is really good at dissolving organic material. And so then they recirculate. They either just flush it. There's two ways that they can do it. They can either recirculate it or push the caustic through the system and let it sit static. So if you're recirculating, it only takes, like, you can let it recirculate for 15 minutes. If you're going static, you need to let it sit for a little bit longer. We typically tell people 20 minutes. Then what they'll do is they'll flush all of the caustic out of the system with water. And then they'll do a final rinse with acid. And so acid will go through it and it will get rid of all the beer stone and anything that the, the, the base dissolved. It will flush it all out. So it's always a base first like a caustic, and then it's always an acid that follows up. Once the acid's out of the system, then they flush it with water again, and then they flush it with water again. Um, a word of caution, uh, this stuff, they're, they're strong chemicals, right? They're, so we need to wear protective gear, wear gloves, wear eye protection. Um, we do have safer solution um, than if you're, if you're not comfortable using caustic, we have uh, what's called PBW, which is po a powdered brewery wash, and Starsan, which is a um, it's just an acidic sanitizer. So if you're you know if you're using it just for temporary draft systems like jockey boxes, you know PBW and Starsan is an easy way to go. But if you've got you know if you're doing kegerators and your beer trailers and you're doing other things that have a little bit longer or you know a little bit more in depth, if you're using it a little bit more, you know I would go something a little bit stronger with. Um, BLC and then an acid. Acid on a temporary system isn't necessarily always used. Um, you always would always use a, a a beer line cleaner, a caustic, and then maybe a couple times a year you'd flush it with acid. It'll just get you the extra clean in there. Um, how often? So bars and breweries should be doing this every two weeks. I'm sure you've all been to a bar or brewery that doesn't do this, and you can taste it. Um, beer lines, especially barrier tubing and trunk lines, if it's a good quality trunk line, they recommend, um, like the Brewers Association recommends use, like keeping these about every 10 years, right? So about every 10 years, they need to be replaced. Vinyl tubing, so the tubing that goes, the jumper lines from your keg to your barrier tubing here, Vinyl tubing will last one to two years, depending on how often you're cleaning it. So the, the vinyl tubing needs to be replaced. And so this would be a, a long draw draft system or a direct draw draft system. They need to be cleaned every two weeks. Uh, jockey boxes and jumper boxes need to be cleaned every time that you use them because temporary draft systems are either used on the weekends, but during the week they're not. They're not pressurized. And if you do an event with your trailer and then you uh, you leave the beer in it for longer than you know 12 to 24 hours that beer starts to, to go stale very quickly and you don't want that stuff sitting in your in your system um, I've I've cleaned a jockey box that's been uh, that's had beer in it for quite a while and it's, it's not fun um, John has a question. What's the best way to fix overcarbed kegs? That's a really good question. If you've overcarbed a keg, um, I would bleed off all the CO2 in it. Um, you can try shaking it, rolling it around, and then bleeding the CO2 off again. What you want to do is get that beer out of suspension. Um, you can try warming it up. The, the warmer a keg of beer is, 
um, the less likelihood that it will want to retain that CO2. So that's another way. And then once that beer is a, at a lower amount of carbonation that you want, what then I would do is retap it and set it to the correct PSI and then, you know, set, put it into a, a kegerator or keezer and then let it sit for a few days and, and it will carbonate that way. So once it's sitting on its correct PSI, um, once it's sitting on its correct applied pressure, it will, um, it will get to the correct volume of CO2. Um, breweries have, brewers have these special devices that they can pull off the bright tanks and they can, um, basically what they do is it fills the device and then they shake it and then it, like it removes some of the CO2 and it, <clears throat> it tells them exactly how the, the volume of CO2 that's in the beer. So you're welcome, John. All right. Um, that's, uh, that's about all I have today. Um, if you guys have specific questions, I am, I'm here. I've got you know, another 20, 25 minutes. If you guys have specific questions that you want to fire off, um, there is a little bit of a delay here. So if you, um, I'm going to probably sit quietly as the questions come in. I know you guys have to have something. I, I'm sure I butchered something or, you know, created more questions for you guys as you're, as you're watching. So, um, please feel free either. You can either use the link that I dropped. If you want to do a face-to-face -face talk, we can talk through anything draft related um, or fire questions in the chat. Anything? Anything, guys? Uh, one of the biggest questions we get is how much CO2 do you need in a temporary draft system? Uh, kegs will go through a full uh, half barrel of keg will go through a full pound of CO2 when you're dispensing it. So as it's pushing down on the keg, um, it will use a full pound. So a five-pound tank will get you about five, sometimes six kegs. Scott, you're welcome. All right. Well, if that is it, um, thanks, guys. Tomorrow, Myron will be here uh, in a little bit, and then tomorrow we'll go live uh, with him, Boyd, my business partner, and I think maybe some of the other guys uh, at Cold Break here are going to join us. So um, if you're interested in learning more about how uh, mobile bars are built and uh, trailers, and um, so bring your questions tomorrow, and we'll go over all of that and have some fun in the studio. So all right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, here's my contact information in case you guys have any more questions while we're off the air. Uh, Chris at Cold Break USA. And then we do have a, a pretty good support system here, uh, customer service. So support at Cold Break USA, coldbreakusa.com. And then anything on social media is at Cold Break USA. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.